Today we're going to be talking about trusting in the faithfulness of God alone. And I want to start things off by talking about this guy. Anyone know who this guy is for a special prize? This will be a special prize. Is that a hand there? I'm from a long auctioneer family. You raise that hand. Yep! Uh, this is Connie Mack. Connie Mack. He's one of the greatest managers in the history of Major League Baseball. In fact, before coaching, he played baseball for 10 years. He played for three different teams. He played for the Washington Nationals, the uh, Buffalo Bisons, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. In 1894, after he retired, he decided to give his hand at being a manager in Major League Baseball. And uh, he found himself not too good. He, he was not too good of a manager. In fact, he spent three years with the Pittsburgh Pirates as their manager, and he got sixth, seventh, and eighth place in those three years. But he found his biggest weakness was how to handle men. He didn't know how to communicate with them. He didn't know how to, how to deal with uh, the situations that were coming up, and so he asked to be demoted and put into the minor leagues so he can learn how to be a good manager. Well, several years later, in, he, he decided to come back, and this time he came back as the, as the manager of the Philadelphia Athletics. Philadelphia Athletics. In fact, he was the manager for 50 seasons. 50 seasons. He is currently the record holder for the most losses and the most wins as a manager in Major League Baseball. He has over 3,000 of each. He managed the team for 7,679 games. Absolutely unbelievable. He was considered one of the best managers of all time in his era. He, he coached and managed the, the greatest teams that Major League Baseball had ever seen when he retired. It was absolutely amazing. And he owned the team for much of the time as well. But Mac, Coach Mac, he had a huge secret. A huge secret of why he was able to manage so well after he spent his time in the minors and going back up to the majors. It was because he didn't worry. That was what he attributed it to. Here's his quote. He said, I discovered that worry was threatening to wreck my career as a baseball manager. I saw how foolish it was, and I forced myself to get so busy preparing to win games that I had no time left to worry over the ones that were already lost. You can't grind grain with water that has already gone down the creek. Someone once said, today is the tomorrow you'll worry about, you worried about yesterday. In fact, here's some stats for you. Up here, an average person's worry is focused on 40% things that will never happen, 30% things about the past that you can't change, 12% about things about criticism by others, and they're mostly not true, 10% about health, which is ironic because stress actually increases that, 8% about miscellaneous, other things, other things that just come up. We worry about all kinds of things in this life that, that affect nothing. And today's scripture is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he's going to, it's very 
similar to all of us or familiar to all of us and and we know this scripture really well i would assume but you know what sometimes it takes um, wisdom to just stop for a second and ponder on on some scripture that you already know that you already understand and, and and allow it to affect you allow it to affect you because friends i'll tell you what since the moment i got done writing this sermon I, i'm sure i've told you that before i write my whole sermon out almost word for word as i'm praying through it as i i, I get it and, and so I, I always write the last two words of every single sermon that i write says let's pray and that's always a good feeling when, when you're preaching and you write those last two words because you've got to the end. But since that moment I said, let's pray, man, I have been attacked by worry and anxiousness. And that is what I'm preaching on. In fact, I literally got done with the message and I hear Molly yelling, oh no! And I walk in there, or then I hear Sherry say, what is it? Oh, my. So I walk in there, and there's just water everywhere. In our bathroom, onto our hardwood floor. And I'm like, what in the world? And I run over to the washing machine that was going, and the hose that sends the water out somehow was totally out of the thing. It was like someone went in there, grabbed it from behind the thing, pulled it out, and just, eh, go ahead, let the water all flow onto the water, onto the floor. And so I had just prepped for this sermon, and so I said, oh, I'm not going to worry about this. Let me just go get my shop back and clean it up. And I whistled and smiled, and then it was just one thing after another. And then I started allowing myself to be more anxious and more anxious. You see, I stand in front of you, maybe as your campus pastor, but I am weak, and I need Jesus Christ. And I, 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 I fall to these things that I preach about all the time. But just like you, I have to go to God every single day and ask that I can serve him, ask for mercy, ask for peace, ask for help. And that's the beauty about Scripture, is that we can dig into it and we can know more about God and we can know that we are much less, that we need to humble ourselves before him, that he is truly our king. But before digging into God's word today, I want to take a quick mention of someone that taught me a significant amount about serving Jesus. Uh... I've spent so much time reading stuff from him. In fact, my grandmother uh, purchased a subscription uh, of his magazine, his ministries, organization, and, and I cut those pages out and I posted them up on the wall uh, in my dorm room on the, in the hallway. So as people would walk by, they'd see the wonderful scriptures that were put in his magazine. For the last few days, I've enjoyed watching a lot of videos about his life and his legacy. I'm sure you guys know who I'm referred to, Billy Graham. 
And uh, Billy Graham uh, passed away this week, and, uh, and I bring him up for obvious reasons. Uh, just because of to celebrate his life and his servanthood um, to Christ. But I also bring him up because he was a man who was flawed. He had many flaws. He'd be the first one to tell you that. But he didn't spend time worrying about what was going to happen after he died. In fact, I... Um, posted something on my Facebook. I don't know if it was really from Billy Graham. I actually saw someone else, uh, Moody, said it once upon a time. But uh, the quote said this, Someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. Scripture teaches us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. No worries. No worries, friends. I'm with God. That's what Billy Graham said. Well, that's my goal today is I want, I want to help all of us, including myself, especially myself, to realize that we do not need to worry if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. If you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you call him your king, he'll take care of you. He is the king like no other, caring for every individual, no matter what the situation is. He cares about every detail of your life. That's the, that's the beauty of Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of the king we serve, is he cares about every last detail of your life, no matter how small, or insignificant it might seem, he cares about it. So let's read today's scripture. Would you join me in standing? We're going to read Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valued than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan, to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Heavenly Father, it's to you we owe all the glory. We pray that you are glorified today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to look at five different things that Christians should do to combat worry. Five things that Pastor Phil should do to combat worry. First, in order to combat worry, a Christian 
should look to God's word for encouragement. Look to his word for encouragement. Three times in this passage, Jesus specifically states, do not be anxious. Verse 25, 31, and then again in 34. Do not be anxious. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. One of my favorites, 1 Peter 5.7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. John 14.1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God Believe also in me. We could go with Mark 13, 11, Luke 12, 22, Ecclesiastes 11, 10, and on and on and on. Scripture is abundant in, in the command of us not being anxious, not worrying. You see, Jesus is talking to a bunch of people here that were worried about a lot of different things. They're worried about a lot of things. In fact, that was the problem sometimes. They, were, they wanted to eat, and they thought that Jesus somehow was going to provide food constantly. And so they were following him around, waiting for, for potential opportunities to eat. And we saw that Jesus did provide that many times. You see, you guys probably don't have that, do you? That worry about food? We think we do sometimes. I remember a little, little bit ago, we hadn't made a trip to the grocery store probably in a week or a week and a half, and Sherry was working that Saturday, and I was writing my sermon, and, and Molly said, I think it was Molly, there's nothing to eat here. There's nothing to eat here. Well, I decided to take a pause, and I worked my way into the kitchen and decided I'm going to prepare lunch for the kids and myself. So what did I find? Here's a list of things I found in that short moment of checking out. I found a whole loaf of bread, multiple frozen pizzas, frozen waffles, syrup as well, carton of eggs, a large thing of leftover lasagna, multiple boxes of mac and cheese, a couple boxes of cereal. We ate pretty well that day. <laughs> and this wasn't even counting all the stuff that I could have, we could have eaten if I would have just thawed it out. The meat or the steak or the pork chops, that if I would have just thawed them out, we could have made those later on as well. You see, when we go to Ethiopia, we meet people that are hungry. That, that's what's being hungry. People will, will work all day just to eat their one time that day. I got permission from Jacob to tell this story. Looks like he went downstairs to help. Um, when Jacob 
he lived in Ethiopia until he was nine years old. Most of you know that. Jacob learned from a, another kid how to pickpocket. And, and so what he would do is they would go up and they'd bump into, it could be a, an Ethiopian, but they would prefer a, for, a fringe, as they call them, a foreigner, because they'd have more money. And they'd do the old bump and grab of the wallet. Got a little more difficult that the wallet was in the front pocket. And then they would sprint. And then they would stop and turn around and walk right past the person. He said, because no one could tell. We, we all look the same to them, especially foringes. And I said, oh, buddy, so you were stealing? He's like, yep. I said, okay. What would you do with the money? And he looked at me like I had three eyes. He said, we'd buy bread. Well, you know, that moment, it, it just changed. You know, the, he shouldn't have been stealing. But isn't there something different if he was going out and buying a radio or, or uh, even uh, going out and buying candy and stuff, extra stuff? He was buying bread because he didn't have food to eat. At the orphanage, they'd only feed him sometimes once a day because the head of the orphanage would, didn't want to spend the money. You see, we don't know what, what Jesus is saying here. Don't worry about your food. Because we don't understand it. Because sometimes we're deciding, uh, should we stop and eat or we should make a meal at home? Those are our, that's the anxiety we have. Should we grab something at Casey's real quick? Or should we go to Shabbat Cafe? Ah, you know what? Let's just have a potluck at church. And we'll all bring a whole bunch of food. No, that, we don't understand hunger. But yet Jesus is saying, do not worry. Do not be anxious. Do not worry about your food. Because I'm going to take care of it. Don't be anxious about what you're going to eat or drink. Water was another thing. It's not just plentiful. You don't just go to the faucet and, and turn it on. Many of you have been to other countries or other places where you can't just drink the water. If you live in the area, you drink it because you already had the parasites living in you, and you're just going to add more. But if you don't live in the area, you can't drink it. You will be sick. And he also talks about clothing. Talks about clothing. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about it. This is Jesus is. It, it, this is a command. Don't worry about it. God's got it. He's going to watch out for you, and you don't. You don't have those concerns. Maybe. You know, I, I've I've been teaching in Yorkville, and and I see some kids wearing the exact same outfit every single day, and I think to myself, Are they choosing to wear that? Or is that their only outfit? We're going back to serve in Ethiopia in March. Uh, March 20th we leave. You could be praying about that. When we go there, when we have gone there in the past, we go to Jacob's former orphanage. 
That orphanage has been shut down because of the director went to prison because of the things he was doing. And, and, but we would go to Jacob's orphanage and we would take a whole bunch of clothes. And, and, and the ladies, I remember my first trip there, there were 16 of us and, and, and probably 70% uh, uh, were ladies. And, and, and the ladies would go into this room and they'd have all these baby wipes. And, and they'd have all, they'd have underwear and socks and, and, and shirts and, and pants. And, and they'd go into this room and they would clean these kids. They'd wash them down and, and clean them up. And, and, and we would just be getting food and doing other things. Well, the kids would, would come out all in all these nice clothes and, and they'd be carrying their old clothes that probably they haven't changed in, in a couple weeks. And, well, what I found out was those kids would run back to the rooms, Jacob included. He's the one who told us about this. They would take off their new clothes. They'd hide them in their bed area. They'd put on their old clothes and they'd go back in line and get more clothes. That was their way of trying to secure clothes for themselves because they were worried, what am I going to wear? Underwear, that was an extra. So that was, if I can get a second pair of those, you're going to be in business. We don't have these issues, friends. But because we're human, we find ways to be worried about all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. And most of it's made up. Most of it's made up in our heads. That, that's, the, that's the kicker of the whole thing. For truly going to take on this issue, we have to heed to God's word. If we're going to take on the issue of worry in our life, we have to heed to God's word. It's extremely important. And it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. And God's word is absolutely clear. We read several verses, and we could have gone on and on about it. I think I told you the story before, but it's applicable here. On February 9th, 2012, after I was serving as the a superintendent at a Christian school in Indiana. I had served the whole day outside of the school doing different things. I came back and had to come to my office about 5.30 at night to take care of whatever was at the school at that point. My secretary had just got back into the office uh, from, I think she went out for a run, as she normally did, and she said, oh, the board president wants to meet with you at 6, along with the senior pastor. Well, my heart dropped at that moment because I just knew something was up. That was odd. They would never have a meeting unscheduled like that at night. And so I did two things. I called my wife and I said, would you please pray? I don't know what this meeting's about, but I need prayer. And I hung up with her and I opened God's word. I wish I knew what I was reading, but I don't remember. But I spent the next 20 minutes digging into God's word and just meditating on the scripture. Just digging in and meditating on it. 
and there was a peace that came upon me that I cannot explain. You see, when we go into God's word, it comforts us. It helps us to deal with whatever situation is ahead of us. And that's where you put your worry. Instead of worrying, you put it into God's word and say, it's all yours. We'll talk more about that later. But the first way to combat worry is to look to God's word for encouragement. The second way, the second thing a Christian should do is to understand that their worth is more valuable than anything on earth. More valuable than anything on earth. That's your worth. Jesus gives us two examples of our worth and value from his perspective. I think that it's perspective that we need to reflect on a lot more. Verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Then verses 28 through 30, he uses another example. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? We need to focus in on the value God has in your life. My brother and sister-in-law are bird experts. In fact, my brother is or was considered one of the foremost experts in uh, his knowledge of birds in the state of Illinois. My brother has a great interest of, of taking pictures of birds and butterflies and other wildlife. Here, this is just a, a, a small sampling of some of his pictures that he's taken around the world. He's been to Australia, Mexico, Costa Rica, Canada, Thailand, Ethiopia, United Arab Emirates, Venezuela. He's been to Alaska, many more states throughout the U.S. And he's taken all these different pictures of beautiful animals. Just absolutely gorgeous what God has created. Yes, that is a crocodile. I don't think he was that close. But the scripture is reminding us today that even though the, the God of the universe cares about these animals, that he cares about you so much more. The God of, of, of creation has, has created beautiful flowers that smell great. In, in Jesus' time, the grass was used they, they, as it would grow, they'd pluck it and they'd throw it into the oven. That's where it was burning the next day to, to keep the fire going. And he would grow it again and they'd use it again. But he's saying your value is so much more. God provides for the birds. God provides for the flowers. He also provides for you and me. But we want to make sure that there's not confusion here. Because Jesus is totally not saying to not work. And just wait for God to, to give you whatever you need. 
you know, birds work hard. You know, they, they build nests and, and they, they get their food, per, they, they're flying all over to get their food. Some, some animals, that's all they do all day, every day, is they, they're foraging for food to survive. They're working every moment. Jesus is saying that he will take care of both things, though. Especially, he's going to take care of your needs and my needs. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be absolutely full. There are people that do starve to death. There are people uh, that don't get any nourishment. And that's the fallen world that we live in. But God cares about every individual. And he loves every individual. Listen to these verses. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We are created in the image of God. Isaiah 40, 49, 15, and 16. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she would have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Wow. If we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are a child of God. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. That's a pure joy to be called a child of God. Absolute joy. As individuals and as a church, we need to combat worry by looking to God's word for encouragement. We have to, we have to dig into God's word as individuals and as a, as a body of believers. And then we have to understand that Jesus Christ sees us as, as one of the most valuable things in this entire universe. We are made in the image of God. Next, as Christians, we should recognize that our time spent worrying is just time wasted. It's just time wasted. Jesus asked a pretty simple question in verse 27. He said, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? What an excellent question. It was rhetorical. He knew everyone knew the answer to it. He knew that we would know the answer to it. Our worry and whatever we do, it, it can't add to the clock. It can't, can't speed things up. Time moves on no matter what. We don't get to change that. Yet, yet sometimes we feel like we have to spend so much time worrying about something, worrying about it in our mind. You know, I, I thought of some things like, what is my kid going to do at this? Um, what is my kid going to do after, after high school? Oh, no. Well, what, 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 how am I going to pay that bill that I, I, I can't afford? What if my dad yells at me when I tell him about that? Maybe you're in sports. What if I miss this shot, if I, if I take this shot? 
What, what if I don't make the sale on that sales meeting that I'm going to? What if, what if, what if you just keep saying those questions and you keep digging into that worry? There's a contrast between concern and worry, though. There is a contrast there. And I, I want to make sure that we understand that as a, as a body, that we should have concern about things. That is taught throughout Scripture. I think of Jesus. He was on the cross dying. And he looked down to John and said, please take care of my mother. He wasn't worried about what was going to happen with his mother. He was concerned. So he took care of business. You know, how many people here have ever uh, gone to WebMD? Anyone ever gone to WebMD? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Last night, I thought it would be fun to end, go to WebMD and just do a little uh, research project. Here's what I entered. I, I was trying not to manipulate it to get what I wanted, but uh, this is what I entered. I said, I have a slight headache on the scalp region. Then it gave me a list of other options. And one of them said, I'm having trouble falling asleep. So I clicked that. Here's what I might have, friends. I may have restless leg syndrome. I may have lead poisoning or several other things. I think I'm dying. You know, almost everything you, you click on WebMD eventually gets to you have cancer or you're dying, possibly. 3% chance. I think there was a 3% chance I have lead poisoning uh, based on those two things I put in. What's my point? Don't worry about these issues. That's worry. All of a sudden, I could stop and say, oh my goodness. I have a buddy who does this, by the way, all the time. But I could be like, honey, I think I have lead poisoning. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to church tomorrow. I can't deal with this. Okay, that's one way to deal with it. Another way, if I have a, a, a true concern about it, is I deal with the situation. All right, I'm going to make an appointment with the doctor, and I'm going to see what's going to, what they could do tests or whatever, and I could tell him my symptoms, and he may say, take an ibuprofen. You know, and one way is a concern. I have a concern about this for whatever reason, and I'm going to deal with it. Another way is a worry. And then I'm going to just go over it and over it because it's, going to, it's not going to be true most of the time. And it doesn't add any extra time to your life. You guys do that all the time, and I do that all the time. We worry. Otherwise, it wouldn't be talked about so much. God has, a, has you in the palm of his hand. And that's a great place to be. To rest in, in the palm of God's hand. You know, I was thinking also that there are some people that um, have a leak underneath their kitchen sink. 
to give you another example. And they have this leak and, and they have a bucket underneath there and, and they're constantly thinking about that leak. Maybe I'm talking to some of you right now. And, and, and then you'll empty the, the water out and, and you're constantly thinking about it, worrying about it. If you were concerned about it, then you deal with it. This is just a very practical lesson for myself and, and, and for you, is that what are some options you have? Look at your options. Well, one, I can get that tape that I saw as, in C, as on, seen on TV, and that thing will work beautifully and seal it up. Okay, if that doesn't work, you could call a plumber, but then you may worry that the plumber is gonna rip you off. So then you could ask your friends who's the best plumber that you've ever used that's, that's gonna do, do something. You could try to fix it yourself, YouTube it, but then you may worry so much that you wreck something else. That's, I'm almost doing like if you give a pig a pancake story. But my point is, is that deal with it. Have concern over it and then deal with it. And that's what, you're, when you hand it over to Jesus, he'll give you much better clarity. And you'll gain wisdom over the years that if you just deal with certain things. If a bill collector keeps calling you, answer the phone or call him back and say, hey, do I owe you something? Okay, I'll give you 10 bucks this month, 10 bucks next month. Now it's dealt with. Whatever it is, all of, the, all of the variables, all those things can be looked at and you spend so much time, I spend so much time worrying and it adds nothing to my life. In fact, it takes time away. Some people are on social media so much and they start worrying about what other people are doing. I find that too sometimes. Sometimes I'm on, yeah, I'll just, okay. And then I'll read one of Tom's posts and then I'm all worried about stuff. Because <laughs> Tom's talking, no. Uh, but we get into the political conversations. We get into all kinds of different conversations and we start worrying about stuff that we cannot change. We, we don't have any capability of changing whatever it is that we're worrying about many times. As Christians, we do not need to worry, though. In fact, we need to realize that worry is for people who don't trust in Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Verses 31 and 32 says it pretty clearly. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, worry is absolutely normal. Worry is a natural thing. You don't have a relationship with the King of Kings. You should be worried. If you're not a Christian, you don't have the seal of the Holy Spirit upon your life to give you that hope for eternity. You have today. You have whatever happens tomorrow. You have whatever time is left here on the earth. That's what you have. That's what you're, you're focused on. But when you submit to worry, It, it takes a hold of you. And that's what happens many times, even 
to Christians. Even to Christians. If you're not a believer and you're hearing this message, whether here, in person, on CD or online, I want to encourage you that you could have everything if you have God. He is the God of all creation. He has created you. He has loved you. He's loved you in the past. He loves you in the present. And he loves you even in the future. All you needed is welcome in, welcome him into your life. Welcome him into your life. Just welcome Jesus to live with you and to live with you for eternity. That's absolutely crucial. Aren't you tired of worrying, believers and non-believers? Aren't you tired of it? If you know Jesus, you don't have to worry any longer. Mind you, I just wrote this, and then I worried multiple times over. But we don't have to worry. In fact, worrying is just a large distraction of what absolutely matters. It's a large distraction. The Bible tells us in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's for all of us. That's the crux of this whole area. Seek first his kingdom. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We are to have one treasure, one vision, one master, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is, is all we should be going after, all that we should be leaning into. He gave his life for you, and he gave his life for me. Our passage ends today by saying, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So in order to combat worry, a Christian should look to God's word for encouragement, should understand that their tremendous value in the eyes of the Lord, recognize that worrying, it's just a waste of time. Realize that because of their ultimate hope in Christ, that worrying shouldn't be part of their life. And finally, come to an understanding that the weight of today is enough. So what are we to do? What are we to do with these things that we worry about so frequently? How do we deal with this situation? I go back to 1 Peter. Bill asked me earlier today, hey, are you going to be preaching on 1 Peter? Well, 1 Peter says we are to cast all of our cares upon him. Cast all of our cares upon Jesus. All of our burdens, all of our troubles, everything. We need to cast our past, our present, and our future into the hands of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ, he already took care of our past. Did you know that? Did you know he took care of our past? Some of us are, are living in a, in a life of guilt. But Jesus Christ went to the cross and shed his blood for you and for me. And he did that to cover our sins. When we, are, 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 when we give our life to Jesus Christ, 
And, and we ask for his forgiveness, knowing that we are sinners. Jesus will take those sins and he'll cast them as far as the east is from the west. He'll cast them into the bottomless pit. That is a glorious thing. That means we don't have to worry about the past. Yeah, the past, uh, that may sneak up on us. Pastor Dave's going to see some people that are living in a present day because of their past. But you know what? We need to be focused on Jesus and what he has done for us in our past. And he has cleaned us. And when we need to look at our present, we need to look right at our present. I think Jesus, I think of Jesus before he ascended into the heavens. Remember when he said this? He said, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What a promise that is, that Jesus is with us. One translation of this verse says, to unload your stresses upon God. To unload your stresses upon God. This past summer, the kids and me, we, we worked on this garden area in the back of our house. And once upon a time was a, probably a beautiful garden. Now it had weeds and, and all these rocks and boulders in this area. And, and we just want to get rid of it and plant grass. It makes it much easier to mow. Well, all these boulders, they weren't just small little rocks. I mean, they were big old things that, that we were having trouble even moving. And we had to move them a good 200 feet to the wooded area, and we'll find a pile there. Well, we couldn't do that. They were too heavy, too much. So I went and got the gator from the shed, uh, the farmer's shed, drove that around, pulled that up, and then we would lift and put those, drop them into the back of that gator until it was overflowing almost. And then we'd drive that gator all the way to that pile that we decided, and I'd back it up, and then I'd push a little button. Beep. And the thing would raise, and all the rocks would just slide right off into that beautiful pile. That, that's the picture of what we're trying to get here, is that in our present day, we have all these burdens, all these things that come into us, all these heavy things. We just need to unload it beep, right into the hands and lap of Jesus and let him take care of them. Let him deal with him, with, with the things that we have. Release it from your own life. And friends, we don't have to worry about tomorrow. For God is the God of yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Rest in the promise that God is a faithful God. He is a faithful God. Our life has a purpose. Our life has an absolute purpose, friends. When you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity, the privilege to serve Jesus as the king. You get to serve him. And that makes a life fulfilling. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about your past, your present, or your future if you trust in Jesus Christ. You need to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, friends. Because if you don't, you should worry. Because we need to have a focus and a purpose in this life, and it's to serve Jesus. 
We all need Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do need your Son. We're so thankful for the gift that you have given us of your Son, Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection, his ascension. Thank you for the promise that he is with us to, for all time. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the hope for a future that is eternal. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray.